All right, before we get started, let's read from Psalm 23. And if you have your Bibles, you can follow along or the words will be on the screen. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever as long as I live. This psalm reminds us that no matter what, no matter what, God is with us and will never forsake us. That through good times and bad times, He is always there and He will always meet our needs. We're going to sing some songs of praise and worship, but before we do, let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
seated. Communion. If you've been blessed in this sober so far, like I have, let's all shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, it, it has just been a good blessing so far for this morning. The song service is great. The communion was great. And now we've got a few announcements for you. Okay. First of all, pill bottles. Um, they are collected from Matthew 25. They use them here locally. They use them throughout the United States and throughout the world uh, for different things. So bring in those pill bottles or over-the-counter. Um, you can leave the little tags on them if you want, take them off, um, but they'll use them. Okay, the next thing is recycling the ink cartridges. Uh, bring them in. They defray the cost of our office supplies. Um, up to $20 a month, so, you know, we're thankful for that. Okay, food pantry and clothes closet. That's every Thursday from 5 to 7. Like Linda said, you know, people in the church are there when you need them, and we praise God for that. We've got a very loving and giving church. Okay, refit. Whoop, whoop. Let's hear everybody <laughs> say it. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Um, exercise Tuesday, Thursdays, and Friday. They didn't have it this week. Um, Kristen is in Texas on uh, refit uh, camp-like, so um, she's learning some more stuff. So it's a good time for everybody, and it's for men and women. So everybody get out here and come, and, and all they ask is that you move to uh, songs of the Lord. Okay. Breakfast is better when we eat together. The first Sunday of every month, we have, uh, we have breakfast together uh, this coming month. Besides the casseroles that we always have, uh, we're going to try to do some French toast sticks. So come on out for that. 
Okay, our weekly budget, you can see it up on the board or you can get a copy out in the back. Um, just some of the things that you're offering uh, helps serve in, you know, in God's community, in God's world. Okay, and there's different ways to give online, in person, the offering boxes in the back. Um, you know, give as the, as the Lord sees fit in your heart. Okay, Mellon Ridge, uh, July 23rd is our next program at 2 o'clock. We have a lunch here, and then we go. Um, if you've never been, you ought to try to go at least once because it's a real blessing. And the people there just love it when we come, and they, they love on us, and we try to love on them. Okay, Youth Activity Ark Encounter. Um, anybody, kids that uh, want to go see the Ark, I hear it's an experience and a half. Um, I haven't been able to go yet, but, uh, you know, I've seen pictures, and everybody that I've ever talked to that has gone has just loved it and just wowed. Okay, Goshen Ready Fest. Goshen, um, here at Heartland, we are collecting colored pencils and the pouches. Um, we're not doing boxes or anything like that, just the uh, pouches that come in for the pencils, the you know, that they can put their stuff in like that. So get those ready. It's August the 6th that they're having it. It's 2 to 4. Again, if you haven't experienced one of those days um, for Goshen Ready Fest, it's amazing. Everybody has fun. It's open to all the kids that um, go to Goshen schools, whether they live in Goshen or not. And for anybody that does homeschooling that does live in Goshen, um, are more than welcome to sign up and come out. And those of you who are old like me, <laughs> um, come on out. It's fun. The fire department's there. There's people that give haircuts. There's food. Um, I mean, it's just a blessing for everybody that shows up. Okay, now we have 10 minutes of meet and greet. So everybody have fun and say hi to people you don't know and and that and give people hugs and kisses and that of ones that you do know. Long time no see. If you're ready, we'll go ahead and get started. Before we do get started, Amy wanted to remind you guys, we have the sheets of where we're reading through the Bible. If you need them, they're back there on the back table in the hallway. And it's also on the website as well. So you can check it out there. There should be a separate heading that says Bible reading. You can go and check it out. If you were here last time I preached, we talked about walking the narrow road and how we must spend our lives traveling down the narrow road. Today we will be looking at one of Peter's letters. We'll be reading 1 Peter 3, 8-22. through 22. Turn in your Bibles to that passage. And when you get there, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Before we get started, let's pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for your wonderful blessings you've given us. Open our minds and ears to your words and teach us what it is you want us to learn. It's in your son Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the title of today's sermon is Taking a Stand for Christ. The Word of God says, Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. On the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. 
For the one that wants to love, uh, love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy. Be, at in, be ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is, eight people were saved through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him? Now, I got to tell you, when I was asked to preach a few weeks ago, I was going to continue with our series in Zephaniah, but God had a different plan. Now, you may notice that we skipped the first seven verses of 1 Peter 3, and yes, that was planned. I didn't skip because I had any great insight or because it wasn't relevant. The Word of God is always relevant. I simply skipped it because the first seven verses deal with marriage, wives submitting, and husbands loving. And while I think that's a worthy subject, I just don't feel like getting in trouble and sleeping on my couch for a couple weeks. I'll let Derek and Dan get themselves in trouble. So with that, we'll start at verse 8. On June 9th of this year, the day after President Trump was indicted for his handling of classified documents, Former Republican gubernatorial candidate from Arizona, Kari Lake, speaking at an event in Georgia, said that United States Attorney General Merrick Garland would have to go through 75 million Americans, and most of us are card-carrying members of the NRA. That's not a threat, but a public announcement. She received a standing ovation. When her comments were posted on Twitter, she said, I meant what I said. Now, I hadn't heard her name before. I'm not very political. I'd rather watch baseball. So I did some research on Miss Lake, and on her Twitter profile, she says that she is a follower of Christ. That got me thinking, would she take the same stance in her faith? Would she defend the gospel with the same fervor that she was defending the former president? So I asked her. I responded to her tweet asking if she would take the same stance for Christ. Not surprising, I haven't heard back. So I started wondering, what would, the, would the church be so bold enough to take a stance for Christ? Would I be as bold? Saints, we're at war. As Christians, we face the toughest war that we've ever fought. 
Our enemy isn't the Chinese, the Russians, or Muslims. Our enemy is far more vicious and far more ruthless. He'll do anything and say anything and use anyone to keep us from following Christ. He doesn't care about you or your family, and he delights in your sin. No, our enemy isn't liberals. Our enemy is Satan and his empire of lies that make up the world we live in. He's been our enemy since Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. But now the lies are getting worse. The world keeps delving further into sin. It used to be, especially in this country, we were left alone for the most part. We were viewed as being crazy, but people left us alone. Now the world expects us to buy Satan's lies. They expect us to turn our backs on the faith and on Christ. However, we are called by Peter to stand tall. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.11, And let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. We can't love the world or the things of the world. We must live set apart from the world. We must be willing to call evil evil and good good. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The world has turned the grace of God into something that it's not. It's denied Jesus as Lord and Savior, and now they expect us to follow suit. But Jude reminds us to contend with the faith. Jude one. Three says, Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered once to all the saints. We must take a stand for Christ and the gospel in this lost and dying world. We must be willing to call out evil no matter where or how it exists, and we must take a stand. Author David Pawson writes, But unless we are willing, like Jude, to say this is wrong as well as this is right, this is true, but this is false, we are going to lose the battle for faith once delivered to the saints, and we will be to blame. If we don't take a stand against the evil of the world, we will be held accountable for it. If someone tries to force you to practice evil, you must turn away and run. Stand up to them and say this is evil and you want no part of it. However, before we can even take a stand, we must follow the words of Jesus in Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. We must seek God in everything. Read His word daily and stay on our knees in prayer. Unless you're like me and have bad knees and you can stand or sit. We must always prepare to talk about the gospel and what we believe. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts regard Christ as the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. We must take a stand and show people what is good and what is evil, even though they may not want to see it or hear it. After all, we're living in a world that hates us for our beliefs. We've been told that we must accept sin, and if we don't, we're the evil ones. 
Satan and his demons have sought to distract us from our ultimate calling. We are told that we must make disciples and baptize them. In Matthew 28, 19-20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Yet we've been distracted. Satan has convinced the world that we must seek out men and power. The world is consumed with lust and power. When did we get away from the Great Commission? When did we start seeking the world and its lies? We are told not to love the world. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the word of the Father is not in him. The world seems to be getting worse and worse, does it not? <clears throat> We've got parents fighting at their kids' sporting events because the umpire referee blew a call where coaches aren't playing their kids. This is what happens when the world is full of people who expect to get participation trophies for just showing up. We've become so enamored with our opinions. If you've ever been on social media, you'll see fights happening all, over, all the time over petty disagreements. People saying things to each other via the computer and the keyboard that they would never have the guts to say to someone face to face. Common sense and human decency have flown out the window. Now it's all about power and prestige. It used to be you never talked about politics or religion, especially in my family. It just wasn't done. Now the world has consumed itself with who's in charge. They worry about who's in the White House. This has slowly started to filter into the church. American churches now preach about elections and who to vote for. They speak out against people who don't share their beliefs, even if they are Christians. The body of Christ has started to turn its back on the Great Commission and has begun to mirror itself after the world instead of being holy like Christ. The church has started to serve both good and evil. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot so serve both God and money. Author David Berceau writes, No one can serve two masters, declared Jesus to his disciples, However, Christians have spent a portion of the past two millenniums apparently trying to prove Jesus wrong. We've told ourselves that we can indeed have both, the things of God and the things of the world. Many of us live our lives no differently than, those, than do conservative non-Christians, except for the fact that we attend church regularly each week. We watch the same entertainment. We share the same concerns about the problems of the world. We are frequently just as involved in the world's commercial and materialistic pursuits. Often being not of this world exists in theory more than practice. The church has started to play a dangerous game of putting people and celebrities over the gospel of Jesus. I love my wife Christy with all my heart, and she comes first in everything I do. However, God outranks her. I'm sorry, but we ought to love, our, love God more than our families and friends. We all have a calling within the church that we must pursue. We have to turn our backs on the, following, on the fallen world. 
Too many times in the recent past, the church has turned its back on those of us who aren't political or vote for different people from different parties. Families have been broken up over this. Churches have been torn apart because of these differences. There are Christians out there that claim to follow Christ, but they hold politicians or sports figures or pastors in higher esteem. They're blindly following the world. Taylor Swift was in Cincinnati a few weeks ago, and she sold out over 130,000 tickets for two concerts. Yet we have churches that are having to close their doors because they can't keep the lights on. Within the last few years, the Archdiocese of the Catholic Church has started to condense churches. Instead of having so many churches have service at all, the, all at once on Sundays, they've started to break into regions where Mass is rotated on a schedule among the churches in that region. While the pandemic played a hand in that, the number of people who claim to be Christian in the U.S. is rapidly declining. A Pew Research Center study showed that as of 2020, 64% of Americans identified as Christian. And while that sounds like a lot with all the people we have in this country, in 2019, it was actually at 65%. And 50 years ago, that number was at 90%. In America, Christian is founded on, in America Christianity is found on t-shirts and in songs. We seek out God in books and movies. We look for him everywhere but in the Bible or in church. Satan has told us that we don't need to go to church or if we don't like the church that preaches the truth, we can leave and find one that is more seeker-friendly. Churches used to be filled with people who would say, preacher, step on my toes. Now a lot of churches are filled with people who say, you hurt my feelings. We must, as Vance Havner says, have a heart like a child and a, land, and a hide like a rhino. We can't worry about our feelings or if we like the worship service or the dress code. The church in America has lost its backbone. We've turned to worshiping people instead of worshiping the only risen Lord. We've turned our backs on the first and second commandments. Exodus 23-6 says, Do not have any other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below the waters under the earth. Do not bow down, do not bow and worship to them and do not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, bringing the consequence of the father's iniquity on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Christians in America have become so vocal about their disdain for anyone who disagrees with them that they've destroyed their uh, witness for Christ. Go on their social media posts. The first post will be something about Christ and how holy he is. And the next post is filled with profanity and hatred directed at those who disagree with them. It's no wonder the world is blinded by Satan. They can't see Christ in us. It's not just the body of Christ that is the cause of this. It's the leaders of the church as well. The Southern Baptist Convention really recently expelled Rick Warren's Saddleback Church in California from the Southern Baptist Convention for, ordain for ordaining three female pastors. Until 2021, 
Mr. Warren had taken the correct stands that women should not be pastors. He then caved and asked women to forgive him. He said that he changed his mind after, thir- after 53 years of study because he reread the Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. In reality, he caved. He started to believe the lies of Satan and the world. Pastor Joel Osteen on the Oprah Winfrey show, when asked why he didn't tell people they're sinners, he said that people know that they're sinners. They don't need to be reminded of it. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 36-37, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Pastors are held to a higher standard. We'll be judged by what we say. If we continue to allow Satan's lies to creep into our lives and into our churches, we'll be held accountable. It's gotten so bad in the American church that for the first time in history, Christian missionaries from around the globe have been sent to America to share the gospel with Americans. In a country that has freedom of speech, we've started to worry more about what the world thinks of us. We're afraid to offend anyone. However, we must defend the truth and refute Satan's lies. In America, we work so hard at getting people to like us But for Christians in other parts of the world, the consequences for following Christ are a lot worse. In the sermon I preached on Matthew 25, I had mentioned a group called Open Doors. For those who weren't here and aren't familiar with them, Open Doors is a group that helps persecuted Christians throughout the world. They released a report dating from October 2019 through September of 2020. In that report, their data showed that 340 million Christians worldwide face extremely high odds that they will suffer tons of persecution for their faith. In that data, the report shows that one in eight worldwide, one in six in Africa, two in five in Asia, and one in five in Latin America will face death or persecution for their faith. That same data showed that over 4,700 Christians were killed for their faith, Over 4,800 church buildings or churches were attacked, and over 4,200 Christians were arrested illegally or detained or imprisoned for uh, for their faith. Over 1,700 were abducted because of their faith. That averages out to about 13 Christians a day who have been martyred for their faith. On March 16th of this year, a pastor in Canada named Derek Reimer was arrested for a second time as he spoke out against allowing drag queens to read stories to elementary school students. Canada has started to jail pastors for speaking out against the LBGTQ community. He was charged with two counts that each carry a fine of $10,000. And if he can't pay them, they're going to throw him in jail for six months for every fine that he can't pay. Usually what happens in Canada comes in to America within the next 10 years. Let me uh, see a show of hands. How many of you had heard about that? If you hadn't, it's okay. The media never reports on the death of Christians. When basketball star Brittany Griner was arrested and jailed in Russia for having trace amounts of marijuana on her, this country lost their minds. Millions of people were calling for her immediate release. 
the government rushed in and negotiated for her release. Now, this isn't to slam Brittany. I'm glad she's home. But where's the outrage over the death of the 13 Christians that are martyred every day? This country has missionaries all over the world in prisons right now or have been kidnapped and are missing. But nothing is done to secure their release. Once a famous person is arrested, there is outrage. This world has fallen for Satan's lies and it's time we stand up and draw the line. Pastor A.W. Tozer said, To be right with God often means to be in trouble with men. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 11-12, You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice, because your reward is in heaven is great. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were, uh, who were before you. We'll face persecution for our views. Here in America, pastors and churches in some states were arrested during the pandemic for holding in-person services or speaking out against masks and vaccines. In the book Revol uh, Revolution, a Manifesto, former U.S. Senator Ron Paul wrote, Truth is treason in the empire of lies. If we stand up to Satan in the world that is full of lies, we'll face backlash. 1 Peter 3, 13-14 says, Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated. And also in 1 Peter 3, 16-17, Yet do this with gen gentleness and reverence keeping a clear conscience so when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is far better, for, it is far better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than doing evil. But later, as Peter tells us, enduring suffering for Christ brings favor with God. 1 Peter 20-24 through 24 says, For what credit is there if you do wrong and are beaten. You endure it, but when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, that brings favor with God. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in His steps. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in His mouth. When He was insulted, He did not insult in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten to he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. We may not face physical persecution like Christians in the other part of the world, but we do risk verbal attacks, and it may cost us relationships with our friends or family. But it, if that happens, smile because they did it to our Lord. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless, those, bless them and do not curse. How do we stand for Christ and the truth? How do we call out good and evil? It starts by loving people. We see this in Romans 12, 17 through 21. Do not repay anyone for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, 
live at peace with anyone or everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Now before we close, I want to leave you with some words from a speech that former President Ronald Reagan delivered on October 27, 1964. It's called A Time for Choosing. It's recently been updated and revamped by Jim Caviezel for his movie uh, that just came out, The Sound of Freedom, I believe it's called. Here are their words. Those of us who would trade our freedoms for the soup kitchen of the welfare state have told us that they have a utopian solution of peace without victory. They call their policy accommodation. And they say if we're only direct if we only avoid any direct confrontation with this enemy, they'll forget his evil ways and learn to love us. All those who oppose them are indicted as warmongers. They say we offer complex solutions to complex problems, and yet they have the nerve to call it choice. Well, perhaps there is a simple answer, not an easy one, but a simple one that you and I have the courage to tell our elected officials that we want our national policy based on what we know in our hearts to be morally right. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot buy our security of one nation under God, our freedoms in Christ our Savior from the threat of the devil any longer. By committing the, an act of morality so great as saying the tens of millions of little children now caught behind the Iron Curtain of sex trafficking and abortion Give up your dreams of freedom now because in order to save our own skins, we're just willing to make a deal with your slave masters. And Alexander Hamilton said that any nation which can prefer disgrace to danger is prepared for a master and deserves one. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice in peace and war, but there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is a specter that our well-meaning Christian liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement, and it gives us no choice between peace and war, only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, Eventually, we will have to face the final demand, the final ultimatum. And what then? When Satan has told the people of the world he knows our an what our answers will be, he has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of his cold war. And someday, when the time is right to deliver his final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary. Because you, you see by then, he will have, we will have been so weakened from within spiritually, morally, and economically. He believes this because from our side he's heard voices pleading for peace at any cost or better read than dead. Or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees and die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war. Because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You know it and I know it. And do not believe 
that life is so dear and peace so sweet as they be purchased at the price of chains or slavery. If nothing in this life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire their shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history are not fools. And our beloved dead who gave up their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis did not die in vain. Where then lies the road to peace, you say? Well, it's a simple answer after all. That you and I have the courage to tell our enemies that there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which evil must not advance. And this is the meaning of our Lord's scriptures as well. To be holy both mind, body, and soul, which backs our country's constitution that all men are created equal, not born equal. Winston Churchill said, The destiny of man is not measured by material computations. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we're spirits, not animals. And he said, There's something going on in time and space, and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I, we have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We're it now with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind and his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said that if we lose this war, and in doing so, this great uh, way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least for, to prevent it from happening. Well, I think it's high time now we ask ourselves if we still even know the freedoms that, we in, that were intended for us by our founding fathers. Every generation of Americans needs to know that the freedoms exist not to do what you like, but having to do the freedom of what you ought. My brothers and sisters, set yourselves apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. You were not made to fit in. You were born to stand out. In closing, President Reagan was right. We are at war with the most dangerous enemy that we've ever faced. It's a world that implores us to turn our back on God, that we must follow Satan's lies and trust his truth. But as Jesus says in John 14:6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We need to stand for the truth that is treason and Satan's empire of lies. We need to tell our enemies that there isn't a price we will pay to stand for the truth and that evil will not advance any further. We mustn't let Satan's lies reign supreme anymore. It's time we take a stand for Christ. As President Reagan has said, Evil is powerless if the good is unafraid. Stand tall on the foundation of Christ and the faith that has been handed down by all the saints. Love each other. Do good to each other. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your words today. Give us the courage to stand up against the evil that is in this world. Help us to cling to you and your words and to stand tall in this lost and dying world. Keep us safe as we travel home today and for the rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are not a follower of Christ, today is the day of salvation. 
If you'd like to know more about Christ or how to become a Christian, then you're welcome to come forward and pray, or you can pray by yourselves. If you want to confess your sins to someone or need healing for illness, then you're welcome to come forward as well. We will have people up here to pray for you. The band is going to sing one final song before we go, but before they do, let me speak the blessing of God over you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
everybody.